There are two things that I fear in this world. One, heights. <laughs> two, obscurity. We're going to talk about that first one. I first knew that I was afraid of heights when I was on an airplane as an adolescent. Up until that point, my grandmother would always tell me that we were in something like a spaceship and we were going too fast to fall. <laughs> then, one time, we were taking off in a rather small airplane and I was getting ready like I normally did, gripping the handrails and lifting my feet and pretending like I was in a spaceship. But this time, as the wheels lifted off the ground, there was this <coughs> lurch downward. And then I noticed that the people around me were getting nervous. It was one of those flights where people started making noises, like little nervous noises, because there was a lot of turbulence. My hands started to sweat. I got a pit in my stomach. My heart started beating really fast. I realized how high off the ground we were getting and how fast we were going. And I realized that I was afraid. That was the beginning of the end. <laughs> After that, I uh, struggled to get near uh, second floor railings in the local mall. You know, when your friends from middle school run to the edge and lean over really far, and they're like, come on, Kelly, do it with us. And I would always be like, no, keep me away from that ledge. <laughs> It even got to the point where even this last fall, I had a conference that met at the top of a tall skyscraper in Atlanta. I could not get, to the, get close to the window. No. It all started from that moment on the airplane. And so those two fears actually represent this one true fear, which is the fear of death. The Bible says that Jesus knows something about death. There are two main times when Jesus faces death. The, one, the obvious one is on the cross, when he's actually dying. The less obvious one is a time we'll hear about this Sunday when Jesus heads into the wilderness. What happens is he faces death personified as the devil who speaks to him three times, with three different temptations. As we'll read this Sunday in Luke 4, quote, After his baptism, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. I won't go into detail, but in short, Jesus is tempted by uh, the lore of great, abundant provision, fame, and obeisance, easy dominance, and fleeting glory, something that a god might want. But as death laughs at Jesus with these three temptations, Jesus doesn't back down. He stares death in the face, unafraid. This Ash Wednesday is the beginning of our 40-day journey with Jesus in the wilderness. The 40 days where we follow Jesus in his footsteps, able to laugh at death because he laughed at death first.
And so every time the devil tried to show Jesus a shortcut to the resurrection, Jesus said no. Every time death tried to lure him into easy dominance and fleeting glory, Jesus said no. And in Jesus' powerful no to the devil, he's able to say yes to all of us. As it says in 1 Corinthians 15, For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. Now, I'm going to continue with a portion of scripture that you don't usually hear on Ash Wednesday. It's the part of the gospel that is often called the resurrection narrative. It's from Luke 24, and we we will read it on Easter morning. It says, On the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. There's a reason I'm pulling together this 40 days narrative with the resurrection narrative. These are the bookends of Lent. And so when the women go to the tomb, that's the important movement. The women who had been with Jesus go to the tomb. They expect to see death in a similar way that when Jesus goes to the wilderness, he expects to see death. But when the women arrive at the tomb, instead of finding death as they would expect, what they find is an empty shell of death. They find the tomb, yes, but it's empty. The the door is rolled away and the dead body's not there. Because of, and in contrast, when Jesus goes into the wilderness, He sees death, and death is very real. When Jesus goes to the cross, he sees death, and death is very real. But by the time you get to the resurrection narrative, the people who had been following Jesus expect to see death, but when they get there, it's a hollow shell of death. So Lent is the time when we too, with the women, with the victorious Christ, go to the tomb. We go into the wilderness expecting to see what causes death, expecting to see what keeps us from God. And this time of Lent, these 40 days, when we go to the tomb, we stare death in the face. Christ comes with us, victorious, and shows us through his death and resurrection, that there's nothing to fear once we get there. And so Lent is the time when we practice, and that's the key word, practice, laughing at the devil. It takes practice. Lent is the time when we practice seeing that death, distraction, old sins, and bad habits, although very real, in light of the resurrection, are nothing but paper tigers and shadows. 
Lent is the time when we give up the shackles that the devil would have us wear. Sometimes this, is, this takes on a real form, a real practice. For example, my husband and I, this Lent, are trying to, sh- to throw off the shackles of Wi-Fi in the evenings. <laughs> Can't do it during work, but we can try it in the evenings. And so this Lent, we're not going to watch Netflix or surf the internet in the evening. We're going to either look at each other (laughs) or read a book, (laughs) play a board game, I don't know, something that frees us from the shackles of Wi-Fi. Why, when I think about this, do I get scared? It's ridiculous. I shouldn't be afraid of giving up Wi-Fi. And so Lent is the time where we stare down anything that's keeping us from God, anything that's keeping us from living life to the full, to living life as it was meant to be. We say no to sin, hell, and death, knowing that Christ has broken death's power over us. And so on this day of Lent, me as a little child gets to grasp Jesus' hand on the airplane, and he gets to tell me that even though it might be my tomb, I don't need to be afraid because he's seen the other side of it. He's seen the other side of death and there's nothing to fear. And so Lent is the time when we contemplate what's keeping us from loving our neighbors as ourselves. It's the time when we take moral inventory. We're about to do that actually on page 267 of the prayer book if you want something to look at. We take moral inventory we reflect on our lives, and we begin to change those habits that keep us far from God. Because there's a big difference between engaging in sin and admitting it. We can engage in sin, and that's bad. And people around us will see that it's bad. But as soon as we admit that we're doing it, something changes. The tone changes, and there's hope introduced into that behavior. And so Lent is a time when we give up those things that keep us from God, whether it's chocolate, gossip, bickering, mindless Netflix binging, whatever we love more than love itself. Or we take on practices that will help us love better. In the words of our presiding bishop, whatever it is, let that something be something that helps you participate in the movement of God's love in this world, following in the footsteps of Jesus. So we, fallible humans, with the victorious Jesus, go into these 40 days of denial and different habits. We follow in Christ's footsteps and benefit from his sinlessness as we reflect on our sins. And every time death tries to distract us from goodness, the real meaning of what it means to be alive, we say no. Every time the devil tries to show us a shortcut to love, we say no. Every time death tries to lure us into easy dominance or fleeting glory, we say no. And with such a small word, no, there's such a huge impact on our lives. We learn to say no to the things that have control over us. So in sum, Lent is the time when we climb inside of the graves that we have dug for ourselves. 
Lent is the time when we climb into the graves that we have dug for ourselves with our bad habits and our sins. <coughs> we go down with Christ, we walk around inside the tomb, and yet we know how it ends. We come back out. And so in a few minutes, we'll come forward up here and receive ashes on our foreheads. And we'll say, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And this is one of the most countercultural things that we do in the church, because we are willingly taking on a symbol of our mortality. We are willingly going into our own grave. But we do that in hope and in faith that Christ meets us there. Amen. <clears throat>